This morning, we are going to highlight a couple of missions. Now, uh, Pastor Barry Allen is our lead of our missions program here at Bethesda, and if you've been around a while, you know we used to take a whole month, and we would bring all the missions before you in the month of September, and Pastor Barry and I talked uh, a good while ago, and we're doing things a little bit differently. Quarterly, we want to remind you a little bit about what's going on in missions and uh, highlight a couple of missions once a quarter. And so uh, we have been doing that. I want to say it's an opportunity for me to just say thank you, too, because the missions giving, I've, it's been reported to me that the faith promises that have been made, well, they're being outpaced by the actual giving, which is fantastic. And you know what? That happened last year, and we were able to send uh, some extra to every single one of the missions we support at the end of the year. So you, you're just an amazing congregation, not to mention you've been given to uh, the church in Ostrada, Poland, and I received another letter from uh, Pastor Zbigniew there, just overwhelmed with gratitude. So thank you. You're amazing. And we are going to uh, hear from a couple of our missions today to bless you, to encourage you, to lift you up, to, to hear some hope, to see what's going on. We'll also hear the word of God uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to begin with uh, one of our local missions. And today we're highlighting two local missions which really have a, kind of a synergistic uh, mission. They, they both uh, deal with individuals and life crises and uh, we are going to hear from them first from Gateway to Glory. And Gateway to Glory, they lead the chaplaincy uh, program at Macomb County Jail. And they also operate a residential uh, program that has three homes right here in our community. And most of you know that uh, Gateway to Glory is led by Steve and Robin Malik. And Steve and Robin Malik, they have been going through their own trials and tribulations. And today they are planning to talk to us a little bit about fruitfulness and uh, you might hear the phrase about how far some have come, but these two right here have come a long way. Steve and Robin, you have come a long way and we are, we're thrilled to have you this morning. So uh, Steve and Robin are gonna share with us a little bit about their, about their mission and uh, so, so you, you turn your attention to them and I know you're gonna bless us, okay? You're not holding the microphone for me today, right? No. Uh, I'll try not to. <laughs> good morning, Bethesda. Good morning. All right. Well, it's good to be here. Uh, as usual, I, uh, I feel right at home here, maybe because it's my home church, but I also love to see all the Life Challenge residents over there. Hats off to you guys, man, doing good. I see uh, Anastasia over there. I saw her earlier in the hallway. Good to see you guys. Um. Just an overview of Gateway to Glory and what we do. We are a jail ministry in Macomb County Jail with transition homes. We have two transition homes for men and a transition home for women coming out of prison and jail that have nowhere to go. And most of them, of course, are uh, bound by addictions and um, have a lot of problems going on, but we're, we aim to disciple. So when they get to our program, just like Life Challenge, we disciple them. You know, one of the things I want to say about this whole drug addiction thing, we put, I think we put a lot too much um, emphasis 
and focus on the drugs and the alcohol. Let me just say this. The drugs and the alcohol are a symptom of something. They are a symptom of the sin disease. You, you with me? They're a symptom of the sin disease. So we got to deal with the sin disease. And we got to get to the root cause of this thing. How many know the only way we get to the root cause of the sin disease is through the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? <laughs> Amen. And repentance. And repentance has to fit in that as well. Uh, I'd like Mike Frazier to make his way uh, to the platform real quick. There he is, okay. And somebody told me just a little while ago that um, I wasn't going to have anything to do with the testimonies in here. And I got a little irked. I was like, no way. I want to be able to share a little of my testimony um, because I'm a bragging kind of guy. I like to brag. And you know who I like to brag on? I like to brag on my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he's done in my life. And you're going to hear that from some of our residents here at Gateway today and from Life Challenge, I'm sure. So, you know, somebody who encouraged me over the years was the late and great Pastor James Lee Beal. And one of the things he used to tell me all the time was he called me Stoof because that was Polish for Steve. But he would say, Stoof, you don't have to be a theologian. Just tell your story. So here we go. 23 years ago, ladies and gentlemen, my wife and I moved to California for a business venture. And that business venture turned out to be pretty lucrative. We did really well, but it was so lucrative and we did so well, it got us into trouble. Because we were recreational drug users pretty much all our lives and thought we had it under control. And so when you think you have something under control, we know better because we know the person who has everything under control. And so here we were kind of in a bad way because we, the, the, the drugs that we were using started to escalate. And before we knew it, we became $300 a day mainline users. We were injecting $300 worth of pure hell into our veins on a daily basis. And because of that, Robin and, my, and, and, and me both contracted hepatitis C. We lost custody of our daughter, and I'd like her to raise her hand right down there. That's my daughter, Chelsea. We lost, we lost custody of our daughter. We contracted hepatitis C. I went to prison, and my wife became homeless living out of the back of our van. Life as we knew it was a nightmare. And let me tell you something, folks. I felt like a total loser. Actually, I felt like a rat. I mean, because when I sit here and I look at my daughter down there, I see my wife standing up here, and to think that she was homeless living out of the back of our van and that we had lost custody of my daughter, you know, that can do a number on you. But how many know God can change it all? And he did change it all for my wife and I. We are born again, totally changed, will never be the same. All because of him. Give him the glory. Hallelujah. All right. One of our residents, his name is Mike Frazier. He's standing right here to my left. I just want to tell you, here's, here's what happened with him. He started using drugs. Believe this. At the age of 10 years old, he started using drugs. He was a full-blown drug addict for 48 years. 48 years, and he was shot. He was shot in the chest. I think it was. No, he was shot in the back. He was shot in the back, and the bullet came out his lungs. But he's here today to still be able to talk about it. Um, 
And then he was in an accident. He was in an accident that put him in a wheelchair, and the accident that he was in killed his wife. I mean, he actually witnessed his wife die in this accident. But here's what's going on in Mike's life now. Mike is not only the manager, the house manager at Gateway to Glory, and he'll let you know that by a shirt that he wears that says, I'm Mr. Gateway. Or to you, sir. To, yeah, it, that's Mr. Gateway to you, sir, is what he says. But anyway, he's now the manager of the Gateway to Glory house where he really works with and helps the men, disciples the men. He's one of the mentors at Gateway to Glory. And here's the beautiful thing, folks. He goes back into the jail now to do his own service. He goes in there to do his, yes, amen. He does his own service, plus he answers the kites from the inmates to go and visit them one-on-one. -on -one. So he's got a great ministry going on, and we're really proud of him. I want to share a quick story uh, of something that happened a couple of years ago uh, with Mike. And Mike was at our home, was at one of our transition homes, when this young gentleman showed up from jail. He had bonded out or something, but he showed up, and he wanted to get into the Gateway to Glory house. So he went to Mike and said, Mike, I'd like to get into the Gateway to Glory house. I got nowhere to go. So Mike started talking to him, but evidently something that Mike said really ticked this guy off. This guy got mad, and he got so mad that he wound up and just cold-cocked Mike right in the face. Gave Mike a black eye like you've never seen. Is anybody familiar with the Tarrington commercial? It's an own commercial about cigarettes. And, and, and the theme was, or what they used to say is, I'd rather fight than switch to another brand of cigarettes, right? But the, the, the person they used with that black eye had this perfect black eye. I mean, it was black all the way around. And so that was Mike. He had this perfect black eye. The guy that cold cocked him took off running down Elizabeth Street, and he's heading towards Macomb County Jail. And I remember saying to myself, well, he's heading in the right direction. And thank, thank God that uh, Macomb's finest picked him up, and before you knew it, he was behind bars. But here's the beautiful part of what happened. That was right during the Christmas holiday. And so any, any of you know or have ever worked with us uh, during Christmas, we pack a lot of Christmas bags for the inmates, and then we hand them out, about 1,500 of them. And so we're getting ready to do that, and this guy who's now back in jail that Mike uh, got to talk to, um, we're, get, we're handing out Christmas bags. Well, guess who got to hand out a Christmas bag with his big old black eye to one of these inmates? It was Mike Frazier right here. And I'll tell you what, he took one for the team that day, and I'm so proud of him that he did what he did because now he was able to visit that inmate with a Christmas bag and say, I love you, Jesus loves you, Merry Christmas, and handed him uh, that Christmas bag. Amen? At this time, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my wife, Robin, and she's with some ladies here today. You're going to hear from her. Hi, y'all. I always start with that. You know, I'm from Florida, and people think I talk weird. Um, so in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, it says, therefore, actually, Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. 
Discipling others, as my husband said, is what Gateway does. By discipling, the ministry lives out the parable of the sower found in Matthew 13, sowing the seed of the word. I have the pleasure, the distinct pleasure, of introducing the women of Gateway to Glory Ministries to you. These women, each one standing to my right, have chosen to come to Gateway to be discipled. And we are seeing that these women are those spoken of in Matthew 13, verse 23, who are fruitful and produce a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. But I'll let them tell their stories. So Donna, come on over here. This makes Donna mad when I tell it, but I have to tell it. One of her first jobs was she was an elf. <laughs> she swears she was not an elf, but she was. Um, anyway, Donna, tell us, what was your life like about 10 years ago? Oh, the hot mess. Um, well, I was homeless, and I was really deep in my um, heroin addiction and alcoholism, and I was uh, pretty beat up physically, mentally, spiritually. I didn't know anything about God. I knew there was a God, but, you know, I didn't pay attention to any of that. So, anyway, I was homeless, and I wasn't doing well, obviously, but um, I'm not good at being homeless, by the way. I was only homeless for, like, six months, and I was good at, with that, uh, and then God showed up, and he picked me up um, when I was sick, and dirty, beat up, just a mess. But he came anyway, and he picked me up, and he, I was in Tennessee at that time, uh, that's where my children and stuff are, um, and he picked me up and brought me back to Michigan so my dad could put me in Life Challenge. Well, God put me in Life Challenge, but he, my dad told me about it. And so I went to Life Challenge for uh, the year, and about three months, I didn't want to be there at first. <laughs> it took me a minute to want to be there, but anyway, um, about three months in, Steve, made the invitation to anyone that wanted to know God as Lord and Savior. And I clearly heard the Lord say, you better stand up. So I stood up and I got saved that day. Um, praise the Lord. And then, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. from that day forward, I, you know, I stayed the rest of the year and I learned so much about this God that I ignored for so long, and now looking back, I can see all the spots. He was there, and I didn't know it, or didn't care, I don't guess. Um, but anyway, then when I got out of Life Challenge, I didn't really know where I was going. Well, then Gateway oh, happened to open up the women's home like that September, and I got out in October. So he, the whole year I prayed, where am I going to go? And he put me right there. So I've been there now um, for five years, and it's... Um, it's a great program. So if you you guys, you know, anybody that needs somewhere to go, uh, this is a wonderful program. Steve and Robin are wonderful people. And I also want to thank Bethesda for all of your con contributions to help us to be able to start over and live to be the people that God created us to be. I think. And uh, also, I have uh, twin boys. Um, they're 22 now, and they're doing very well. And over the past six years since I've been clean, almost seven, our relationship has been uh, restored like you would not believe. They, yes, we, we talk every day. Um, they, you know, my one son's 
in uh, Army Reserves, and he's at nursing school, and the other one's in law school. So I couldn't be more proud of either one of them. And they don't see that other mom. They just see the mom that they got back, and praise Jesus. So the one thing that Donna didn't tell you, which she may not be aware, but she will be part of the leadership of the in-house Bible studies at the women's house, too. She's going to start that up. Okay, I know we got to kind of rush. So, Miss Shannon, come on over here. Shannon is relatively new with us. Um, you've been with us for a few months. Yeah, okay, two months. Um, so tell me very briefly, what was your life like uh, about 15 years ago? Very briefly, my life was, uh, I was in a very dark hole. I was in a downward spiral and I was going nowhere really fast. Uh, my family had pushed me away because they couldn't stand to see me uh, in the self-destructive path that I was in. Um, I couldn't get out of the hole. I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel until I had went to rehab. I got a little bit of trouble and went to Macomb County Jail and they sent me to rehab, thank God. Um, there is where I found peace and there's where I found hope and I found that I could, you know, I could do all things through Christ and I could be freed from this addiction that I was in. And so that's exactly what happened. After rehab, I was introduced to Robin through Gateway to Glory, and I was sent there. And I was blessed to be there. I'm still blessed to be there. Um, I can't thank God. I can't thank Christ enough for pulling me up out of the hole that I was in. My family is starting to speak to me again. My father, they all want to have something to do with me now. Uh, they call me every day. They text me every day. They just want to know that I'm okay. They just want to know that, that they want me to know that they love me and that they're there for me if I need anything. Anybody to talk to need anything. So it's a tremendous blessing on my heart to be a part of this church, to be a part of Gateway to Glory, to be a part of the discipleship that God has laid on me. And thank you very much. Amen. Casey and Anna, I would love to get to you, but I don't think, I, I think, do we have time? Well, Steve wants to come up here, but, but let, let me just finish by saying um, all of these women here are producing fruit. You know, Anne now is the, the women's house manager. Uh, she also volunteers in the kids program here at the church. Um, she also comes into the jail and does administrative work, which really helps me out a lot. So, um, you know, she's producing fruit and... Casey is uh, our newest lady, and she has just been a beautiful, wonderful uh, addition to Gateway. All the women are gelling so well together. But all of these women up here are producing fruit, experiencing reconciliation in their relationships, growing in understanding, living lives of integrity and dignity because of who they are in Christ. So proud of them all. And Bethesda, you're a huge part of this. This, this producing fruit, Ex sorry, because of your faithful giving, men and women are finding their worth and producing their own fruit for the kingdom. And can I do something for just a minute? I'd like to recognize those of you who are in the board of directors. Uh, John Rudd is one of them. Um, the board of directors really keeps our ministry on track and I'd like them to stand, those of you who are here. I know Sharon's here. Uh, I think Steve is out of town. Um, yeah, Tom Frizzy. Not, 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 don't, don't. Keep standing. 
I got some stuff to say. Keep standing, please, Sharon. <laughs> Won't you, uh, girl? Um, I'd also like to, uh, I'd like any alumni of Gateway or current Gateway residents to stand. Y'all are good back here, y'all standing. Where's Pam? Uh-huh, I see you. Let's see. Dave is backstage because he was up here playing the guitar. Keep standing, please. Um, now can I ask all the people who minister in the Macomb County Jail to stand? This includes the Bible study teachers, one-on-one -on -one ministers, administrative, book cart. Go ahead and stand. Oh, Linda. Hi, Linda. <laughs> okay. So these are, these are just some of the people who minister at the Macomb County Jail. We also have lots of people who minister from other churches. Now may I see all those who have volunteered their time with Gateway Aftercare. Keep standing. In-house Bible study teachers, mentors, those who have helped us during the banquets, stuffing envelopes. Come on, I know y'all are out there. Y'all are shy. There we go. There we go. Very good. I'd like to give them a hand while y'all did. And a very warm thank you from the residents and Steve and I. We couldn't thank you guys enough. Um, you are the people who keep Gateway running, but also you who give to this ministry, y'all can sit down now. You who give to this ministry, you keep us going as well. We couldn't do it without you, so thank you. You know, yes, thank you, Bethesda. Something I for, completely forgot to mention was our, our resident, Mike Frazier, who's our house manager, is uh, working full-time. He's uh, five years clean and sober. He's been baptized and confirmed in the faith on May 12th. The last thing I'll, I'll tell you here is I forgot to give you the last part of our testimony. You know, when I was in prison, I heard an announcement that said, if anybody would like to come to chapel service, we're going to meet in the cafeteria. And so I went to the cafeteria and showed up. There was about 80 to 90 inmates in there. And when the, the meeting began, this preacher who came began to preach the gospel. How many know that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation? And I was sitting there in my seat, pretty scared. I was in a pretty scary place, but the gospel was being preached. And after the gospel was preached, this, this gentleman said, I would like to pray with anybody here today who would like to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And man, I stood up and I went forward in front of 70 plus inmates to surrender my life and my will to Jesus Christ. And because of that decision and all glory to him, my wife and I today are 23 years clean and sober, completely healed of hepatitis C. We've got a great relationship with our daughter and granddaughters. And as God would have it, he took an ex-offender, a former drug addict, still a convicted felon. You probably didn't know you had a convicted felon up here speaking to you, right? Still a convicted felon and made my wife and I the, the chaplains of Macomb County Jail with the two aftercare programs. Yeah. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to one of our board of directors, John Rutt. He's going to come and just talk to you about what the Lord's laid on his heart uh, regarding Gateway to Glory. Some, last thing I want to say, too, I know I say that a lot, but, you know, um, not only have I been through quite a bit in the last year, uh, I'm battling cancer, um, I'm in re recovery for strokes and all that, 
and I've been through a lot of afflictions, but I got a new life verse that the Lord gave me while I was in cancer treatment, and it comes out of Genesis 41. It's God speaking to Joseph when he says to Joseph, I will cause you to be fruitful in the land of your afflictions. Let me tell you, I've been through the land of afflictions in the last year, but God is causing fruit to come out of it, and I praise his holy name for it. Bethesda Christian Church, thank you so much for allowing us to be here today to share with you. Thank you. Microphone now. Sharon and I, back 17 years ago, 2005, Steve and Robin shared their vision, asked if we would join them on the board of directors, and we did. One thing I, uh, I really see, one of the burdens that Lord put on Steve's heart was get those in the aftercare program plugged into a local church. And uh, that's one aspect I see helped tremendously for the men and women who've been incarcerated. On Thursday nights, they have the Overcomer meeting. Uh, they have an opportunity and now are taking the rooted classes. Uh, the people at Bethesda Christian Church have been open and very loving to every man and woman who's come in here. It's just an outpouring of love towards people who've been incarcerated. And uh, it's what they've done in the past is in the past, but what a beautiful opportunity to get the love of the local church and a body of believers to give them hope. And, and then at the Macomb County Jail, there's inmates. They've hit rock bottom. They have hardly any hope. And they kite and they ask, I need to talk to somebody. We have volunteers that go right into the jail and represent the healing, the love, forgiveness, and mercy of Jesus Christ. And that's one aspect of the ministry that your prayers and your support have been fantastic. Um, and on behalf of the board of directors, Stephen Robin, thank you, Bethesda Christian Church, the pastors, and all that you've done to support this ministry. In 17 years, it's been so fruitful. We have seen men and women delivered from drugs, alcohol, serving the Lord, and being fruitful. Thank you. One last thing, I promise, I promise. I just want to say right now, hats off and my, um, my respect for Pastor Jeff Bonzelar, Luke Bonzelar, his son, and the whole staff, Ken Keene, uh, John Richardson, all those guys that uh, do what they do at Life Challenge to help these men and women. Our position, or what, what Robin and I do at Macomb County Jail for Life Challenges, we, we do the applications, we do the interviews and the screening to help you guys get into Life Challenge. And I'll tell you, we've seen hundreds of men and women uh, that we've given the applications to get accepted into Life Challenge and hundreds of men and women who come to know the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because of it. I, I promise that's it. Thank you, Bethesda. And Robin, really, really appreciate uh, all you're doing. But men, I, I, don't, I don't know if we got your names real quick. I want to just help me, you know, uh, if I get it wrong, if I get it wrong. But I'm a we got Dan, John, Larry, Joel, Dylan, and Richard, right? So these are the men you brought today, okay? And, and we appreciate uh, all that Gateway to Glory does. You guys, uh, you do a great job. And... 
What, what, what testimonies? Uh, you know, can you believe it? A guy, a, guy gets, a guy gets punched in the face, and the next thing you know, he's given, uh, he, he's saying, I forgive you to the guy that did it while he's being, it's just, uh, the fruit, the fact that they've come so far is amazing, and it's all because what we talked and sung about earlier, Jesus, Jesus. Next, we are, uh, we're gonna hear from another uh, ministry, which Steve has already uh, alluded to, and they have this synergistic relationship to help people in crisis, and uh, that is Life Challenge. And this morning, we are gonna be blessed uh, by Pastor Luke Bonzelar. Uh, he's here with uh, his wife, Deanza, this morning, but he's gonna come up and uh, share a little bit about what Life Challenge does. We're gonna hear from some of the residents. We're gonna, have, we're gonna be blessed with some songs, and then Pastor Luke's gonna bring the, uh, bring the word to us this morning. Pastor Luke's the director over at the Detroit campus of Life Challenge over on Pearson Street in Detroit. He studied at Moody Bible College and Southwestern Seminary. For six years, he was on the pastoral staff over at Auburn Hills Christian Center, and uh, he's been the director over at the Detroit campus for about a year. So uh, Pastor Luke's gonna come and share some about the mission. As I said, we'll hear some testimonies and song. Uh, as Pastor Luke comes, a very brief video uh, about Life Challenge. Good morning. Good to see you guys, Bethesda Christian Church. My name is Luke Bonsalar. I serve as the campus director at Life Challenge Ministries here in Detroit. So good to be back here, by the way. Um, I actually have some great memories growing up of running through these halls, trying to find my room for a junior Bible quiz. And I can remember being out on the soccer fields. I was with uh, Franklin Road Christian School. I graduated from there playing soccer against Parkway. Great, great memories, but so good to be back with you all. And again, just wanted to say thank you. Uh, thank you for your continued su support and generosity towards this ministry, Life Challenge, of which I'm gonna share um, quite a bit with you guys about what's going on and how God is moving in this ministry. And uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you guys are familiar with Life Challenge Ministries, okay? So we heard this name get brought about, and, and by the way, Brother Steve Malik, we love you. My father loves you. Um, my father is the executive director, and um, Pastor Steve Malik, he serves as a, a chapel speaker uh, frequently uh, throughout the months. But So Life Challenge Ministries, some of you guys are familiar with us. Um, we are a one-year residential program for men and women who are struggling with life-controlling problems such as drug addiction and alcoholism. 
And so um, we're a long-term, one-year program. Yes, there are 30 and 60 and 90-day programs. And we believe that they have their place in the recovery community. But the way we say it is you don't get into addiction overnight. And bottom line, you don't get out of addiction overnight. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you got to get out of Dodge for a long period of time. And that's why we're a long-term care facility. Um, and so a couple more things about us um, uh, we have two campuses. We have one in Detroit. We have another campus in Flint. And actually, we're doing double duty today. My father is um, with the Flint crew. They're at another church spreading the good news of what God is doing. And so we have two campuses in Detroit and Flint. And we've been serving our respective communities for the last 60 years. And that's what's happening locally, though. It's amazing, right? Thank you. Now, uh, nationally, let's just talk about that. We are a part of the largest and oldest faith-based rehab in the nation. Did you know that? We are a part of Adult and Teen Challenge Ministries, of which many of you have heard that name, Teen Challenge, founded by David Wilkerson. Anyone know David Wilkerson? Yes, so David Wilkerson founded Teen Challenge back in Brooklyn in 1958. And guess what? Since then that ministry has exploded. There are over a thousand different teen challenges in 126 different countries around the world. Isn't that amazing? And so we just happen to be here in Detroit. We have another campus in Flint. And so here's what we know about addiction, Pastor Pat. Um, addiction is complicated. It's messy ministry. There's a lot of contributing factors to addiction. Some of those are biological, some of those are biochemical, neurological, uh, some of it is systemic, environmental, some of it has to do with where you grew up, how you grew up. There's a lot of different factors and where those lines intersect, it differs from one resident to the next. But at the end of the day, we believe at Life Challenge there is a spiritual component that has to be addressed and can only be met through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's only through Jesus. And so that's what we seek to do at Life Challenge Ministries, bring them hope, help, and healing in Jesus' name. Now, just out of curiosity, by a show of hands, how many of you guys are presently in recovery? If, uh, you just raise your hand and just wave it at me. Wonderful, good to see you guys. Is that it? How many of you guys struggle with pride? How many of you guys struggle with jealousy? How many of you guys struggle with uh, being a little grumpy in the morning when you wake up too early, being hangry, right? <laughs> How many of you guys struggle with sometimes being glued to your phone or always being watching sports? It was a trick question, right? But here's the bottom line. The late Gerald May said this. He's a psychiatrist, and he said, to be alive is to be addicted. We all have our go-to attachments at the end of the day, right? We all have these things that are pulling on us, pulling on our hearts. And so a lot of times we can kind of approach addiction and say, that's just them. That's not a me thing. That's not something I'm going through. Bottom line, there's only two kinds of people in the world, those that are in recovery and those that should be. 
And so we're all in it together. And so that's what we, we try to do at Life Challenge. We work with residents, though, that have some really intense addiction issues that relate to drug and alcohol problems. Um, and just by the way, this one's not a trick question. How many of you have someone that you currently know in your circle that is struggling with a drug and or alcohol problem? Just raise your hands. Good, okay. And, and bottom line is those who don't have their hands raised, you're probably being duped. You're probably being tricked. Um, addicts can be master manipulators at keeping things below the surface so that you don't know about it. It's one of those hidden things that there's a lot of shame involved, and those things just happen to lie below the surface. But, but here's the deal. Addiction is no respecter of persons. It didn't matter if you grew up in the church, out of the church. It didn't matter what side of the tracks that you grew up on. Addiction is no respecter of persons. And so that's why we're here, to offer hope, help, and healing in Jesus' name. And so can I get your help today? I need two things I, I can ask of you. And if you fall into one of these categories, we would be so thankful. First of all, we need recruiters. We need people who know these individuals in your families, in your circles, at work, at your school, and you know of someone who's going through this, please pick up our brochures. We have them at our back table in the lobby. Brian, one of our staff members, would love to speak with you. Please pick up some resources so that you can get it into the hand of those who need help. And then the other thing is, too, we need resources. We need people who are willing to volunteer their time and their energy to mentor and to disciple these men and women. We need resource in terms of finances. If, if you feel led of the Lord to contribute, to give, to be a sponsor, you'll hear more about that. We need your help because bottom line, we can't do it without you. Amen? And so here's what I want to do. Um, we're going to just tell the stories of those who are in recovery in our program through a couple different formats. We've got spoken word, we've got a testimony, and we've also got the choir. And afterwards, I'll come up and I promise you, I'll give a brief just closing message. So if I can just introduce one of my friends here, why don't you go ahead and tell us your name? Brandon Young. And Brandon, uh, how long have you been in the program and graduated? Uh, so I did the program, which was 12 months, and I've been graduated for about a month now. Okay, so what are you still doing here? You're graduated. <laughs> he asked me to be here. <laughs> no, it, no it's, a, it's a good thing. Um, so I'm doing an internship right now, and uh, it's basically just having one foot in the program and one foot in the world, and I'm blessed to be a part of it. Um, I'm under pastorship right now and just being... Um, being under Pastor Luke, under Pastor Jeff, and just seeing what it takes to um, be in my faith in the world now. Yeah. And so as Brandon said, he does have some more responsibility. He's now an intern, an intern and has some different responsibilities with the men. But why don't you kind of take us back? Because the person who's standing here right now is vastly different than the person that I went on a walk with on the day one that you entered into the program. Why don't you bring us back about 13 months? Yeah, I was not a happy camper, and I wasn't happy to be here. Um, I, uh, I was living in Royal Oak at the time, uh, right before I came into Life Challenge, and I actually, um, I got arrested, and um, they had let me go just to, um, just to you know, build a, build a case on me, and uh, my parents suggested that I come into Life Challenge, and uh, at that time, I'm not, I'm not really into God, and I don't really care for him. And um, so I come, I come into Life Challenge, 
and uh, you know, just to make it look good for the case. And God ends up changing my heart. And uh, I didn't want it to happen, <laughs> but uh, but He did what He did, and I'm I'm very blessed uh, that He did it because I look back now and I think about the foolishness that I was a part of and what I was doing, and uh, the people that I was hurting on on top of everything, and. Uh, I'm just so blessed to to have another chance and to and to do it right this time. You've heard that not just from some people at Gateway to Glory, but even here with Brandon. There's some resistance when you first talk about life challenge, when you talk about Gateway to Glory. I uh, didn't want to be here, uh, for instance, but how God has changed your heart. And you know what's so interesting about you, Brandon, and maybe you just want to share real briefly, um, you grew up in the church. You grew up in a marquee church in the Detroit area. Um, you heard about the Lord. You had a youth group. You had the good support from parents. What went wrong? Uh, so I'll say what I said uh, at my graduation. Pastor Jeff asked me that question. Um, I think I think the underlying issue and and what what it really comes down to is having a relationship with Christ for yourself because your parents' relationship with Christ isn't the same thing as my relationship and um I think I think through life challenge and through being under under pastors and and learning really who Christ is and having a relationship with him everything has changed now and I'll tell you, we can vouch for that. We can verify that this is real transformation that has taken place. The Brandon that I saw 13 months ago, we went on a walk, and I was kind of cringing on that walk with you. I said, good to have you here, and I don't want to be here. And I thought, okay, he needs some space. But how God has transformed his heart and how he's been a radical difference maker for Jesus Christ. As he said, he's taking ownership now of this. This is his faith is not the faith of his parents or his church. This has now become real to him. He's had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and we're so thankful for that. So thanks again, Brandon. I'll invite our choir. Okay, thank you. Well, that's my, uh, that's my aerobic workout for the week, leading the choir. Thank you for your generosity to them. Can you just show your appreciation again? Can you just imagine how difficult it is to show up in a program and we haven't even had a, one rehearsal with uh, two of the residents and uh, here they are on, on stage singing their hearts out. So thank you for your kindness. I'm Dave Benello, the choir director. I shared my testimony last time I was here. It's been a few years now. I'm not going to share it again, but I'm just so grateful for this church. My daughter Bethany is a graduate of the program along with her husband and uh, she, when she heard I was coming here today, she wanted to be here so bad, but she just delivered her second child, my sixth grandchild, over the weekend. So she sends her greetings, and she has such appreciation for Pastor and uh, those of you here at this church who gave her so much love to get her through the program. That was five years ago, and she's five and a half years clean and sober right now, married, serving the Lord, actively involved in Celebrate Recovery in her church in Waterford, and uh, just doing wonderfully. Very quick, how can you help? How can you participate? Um, we have a table in the back. We have a program at Life Challenge called Sponsor a Life. Sponsor a Life is equivalent of about a cup of coffee a day, $35 a month. 
and it gives you the opportunity to plug in and really partner with Life Challenge and one of the residents there. For $35 a month, you will receive uh, a card with a photograph of the resident, and you'll be encouraged to pray for them. You can write letters to them, meet with them, and you'll absolutely be invited to their graduation. But they can tell you, it means so much to know that there's somebody who's not just supporting financially, but who's praying for them every day. I sponsor Bruce, uh, I'm not gonna embarrass you, Bruce, but uh, I've got his picture hanging on my, taped to my monitor, my work monitor, and that's my reminder to pray for him every day, and then he, he gets prayed for multiple times a day. So um, with that, I'm just gonna invite you at the conclusion of the service to uh, find our table out in the lobby, pick up a, a brochure, and, um, and please help us out. It's um, very meaningful for all of us, including the residents. With that said, I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Luke Bonsilar. Thank you. Have you been blessed this morning? I know I have. I've heard Brandon's story several times, and it still accelerates me in my faith when I'm just rubbing shoulders with him. And I hope that's been the same experience that you've had this morning, whether it was with those who were sharing from Gateway. Thank you for those who shared. Um, but let me just take this and just land the plane here this morning. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, there was a news story out there about a man um, who was found without any identification. He was found beaten, naked, and unconscious behind a Burger King in Georgia. And so he was found, true story, by the way, um, he had no ID on him. The FBI ran his fingerprints and DNA and nothing came back. Nobody claimed him. Um, Dr. Phil actually brought him onto his TV show, a national live broadcast, and uh, still nobody claimed him. They even had this nurse. Her name was Kathleen. She was brought in to kind of gently awaken his memory, and yet still nobody knew this guy's true identity. Now, just imagine with me for a moment if you were that guy. And for the last eight years, Nobody knew who you were. You didn't even know your own name. How would you think that would make you feel? Nobody knew what to call you. It would feel pretty terrible, right? Because so much of our identity is wrapped up in a name. Um, several years ago, we had this conversation among the leadership at Life Challenge on what to call those who enter into our program. For the longest time, we had referred to them as students, but that didn't quite capture the nature of our relationship to them, right? Because after all, they have something to teach us. So that didn't quite fit. Um, we had toured another adult and teen challenge and we found out that they referred to those individuals as clients. But that seemed too corporate, too business, not enough emphasis on relationships, so we didn't take that. Um, we had heard from another secular rehab that they had called those who enter into their program guests. But that just seemed too temporary. I mean, we are, after all, a year-long program. You start to become family with these individuals, and so that didn't work. Um, if you have a card that gets you into Costco, you're called a member. If you work at Starbucks, you're called a patron. Um, if you have a library card, you're called a, um, a patron, I should say, um, and a partner. Um, so... We had this long, ongoing conversation on what to call those who enter into our program. And after a long deliberation, Sister Carmen, we finally landed on calling students residents. That was important for us. That was a big deal for us to have this conversation about names. 
But we haven't just been having that conversation, that life challenge. This is an ongoing conversation among families, communities, politicians. It's the importance of names. You know, Pastor Pat, if you have kids, if those out here, if you have kids, you know how difficult it is to finally agree on both you and your spouse, the name of your, your son or your daughter. Um, I actually found this out recently that in northeastern Australia, there's this tribe. They're called the Wikimungan tribe. I hope I said that right. And what they do, they have these elaborate ceremonies and traditions on giving names to children, one of which is there's this midwife and she's kind of calling out all the names of their relatives, kind of on a cycle, on repeat. And when that child is finally ushered into this world, whichever relative's name had just been called is transferred onto the child as their name. Isn't that crazy? I mean, even in our, in our, uh, our, uh, our crime system, so um, if you are an, an inmate at a prison, you don't even get your name. You're denied your name altogether. All you get is a number. And so what's the big deal? Why do I keep talking about names? Well, well, names are important, right? I mean, if you think about the very first assignment that was given to Adam in the Garden of Eden was the naming of all the animals. He even got to name his own wife. I mean, throughout Scripture, God is in the business of changing names, You've got Abram to Abraham, Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter, Saul to Paul. God is in this business all the time. In fact, in our culture, you know, a, a woman after marriage will oftentimes change her last name to that of her husband's to signify that there's this beginning of a new chapter. So what's the big deal? Why do we keep talking about names? And here it is. If you just want to write down this question, here it is. What's in a name? What's in a name? Well, how you name something, Pastor Pat, I'm sure you know this, how you name something communicates, among many other things, how you name something communicates expectations. What do I mean by that? If you are to name something a freezer, you have the expectation that the items and the things that you put into a freezer will Freeze. If you call something a cooler, you have this expectation and a belief that whatever you put into a cooler will cool. Very, you guys are doing a great job. Give yourself a pat on the back. Okay, so if you call something a magic eraser, crazy name, right? We have this belief and expectation that whatever comes into contact with a magic eraser, regardless of if it's true, will magically be wiped clean, right? The same goes for a child lock. If that's the name that we're given, we have this expectation that a child will be prevented from coming into contact with whichever what we have locked it with. A name communicates expectations. Function follows identity. Identity determines function. For example, let's just think about this for a moment. Think about some of the names that you occupy. You know, if you are called a husband, there are certain expectations that are now transposed onto you with that name as being a husband, right? That you should be a leader, a provider, a nurturer. 
if you are called a parent, mom or dad, there are certain expectations given with that name, right? That you are a caretaker, that you are a cultivator. In some cases, that you are a cheerleader, right? Pastor Pat, you have the name pastor. There are certain expectations that come with that um, to be a disciple or to be a shepherd, an encourager. You guys tracking with me this morning? Every name that you are given has a certain expectation placed upon you because your identity determines your function. And it's not always a good thing. I actually had a conversation with a former graduate of Life Challenge. He told me a story of how when he was in his early 20s, somebody had told him in a moment of frustration, you'll be nothing but a dumb old drunk. And that name that label actually followed him for the next 40 years as he lived into that name. That identity became his reality. So what's in a name? It's all about identity. And so what I wanna do with just the last few moments here, I just wanna take you to a well-known passage of scripture. I just wanna look at the last words of Jesus that he spoke while he was here on earth. Because Jesus has a new name to give Brandon. Jesus has a new name to give Mike. Jesus has a new name to give to Steve, to you and I, to all who are included in his church. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter one, verse eight. Let's just look at this. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Right before Jesus ascends into heaven into all his glory, here's what Jesus says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Did you catch the name? You know, I would suppose that for the vast majority of us, if we were to list off two or three names for which would probably come under Christian, we'd probably write, say, follower, you know, maybe disciple, son or daughter of God, a fisher of men. But there's a new name that Christ has given to each and every one of us, a name which we are marked with, and it is that we are now called witnesses. That's your new name. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus promises his disciples, that the Holy Spirit will come upon them and they will become his witnesses. You know, traditionally, I, at least I have, I've kind of looked at this verse as a command. Do this, do that. These are Jesus's marching orders. But rather, just what I wanna humbly propose to each and every one of us this morning is that being a witness, when you heard about all those testimonies this morning, you heard, and they gave evidence of what God was doing in their life. Being a witness is a gift rather than a command. Being a witness, why? Because being a witness is an identity over a set of actions or behaviors. It's your new name. Your new name. And I think kind of we all have this idea of what it means to be spirit-filled, right? To be spirit-baptized, to be led and anointed and empowered by the spirit. And when I say we, I guess I'm referring to we Pentecostals, right? You know, 
there are many times, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but we might equate spirit filling with speaking in tongues and miracle working and exorcism and, and discernment and, and courage and boldness and seeking to and having sensitivity for God's spirit, all of which is a good thing, by the way. But I believe that the primary evidence of the spirit of God in a person has to do with identity. Notice the text, because Jesus says, you shall be my witnesses. Not say, not do, you shall be my witnesses. There's this fundamental identity change that occurs through the spirit of God. Remember this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. You've got a new identity, a new name. The old is gone and the new has come. Are you following with me, church? If the spirit of God comes upon you, you take on a new nature, a new vision, a new set of values and priorities. You get a brand new name and you become witness. You see yourself different. You think of yourself differently. Identity change. There's this fundamental change that begins to happen to you, and it can only happen through the Spirit of God. And this is fascinating. But did you know that the word witness, we actually get it for the root word in the English for martyr. Did you realize that? Think about that for a moment. Because a witness is one who no longer lives for himself, just like a martyr. They embrace death so that they can live for another. That's like a total reorientation. So what am I trying to say this morning? If all our Christianity ever does for us is clean out our potty mouth and keep us from watching X-rated or R-rated movies, and make us church-going, Bible-reading, tithe-paying people, it is worthless because conversion to Christ leads to identity transformation. It's all about being a witness. The primary evidence of being in Christ is being a witness. The new identity leads to a new function. The what follows the who. You tracking with me? And so what's true for salvation is true of the recovery that we seek to offer that is distinctly Christian. Because at Life Challenge, we believe that we're all suffering from a tragic case of amnesia. We've all forgotten who we are. And like that guy who is found behind the Burger King, we're all at some level looking for somebody to just tell us who we are. Tell me my name. And our mission at Life Challenge is just simply this, to help men and women live into the identity that God has so graciously given them. Amen? That's all we're trying to do, to help them to see themselves in a new light, to see them in the way that Christ sees them, and you've heard some great and fascinating stories this morning. Our goal is to just help them see themselves the way that Christ sees them, embrace that new identity. You know, so for us, 
sobriety, being dry, mentally sane, relationally reconnected, etc. All those things are good and all those things are wonderful, but they are worthless unless it leads to witness. You know, the 12 steps, they actually get it right, I think. If you're familiar with the 12 steps, they're a part of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and they have these 12 steps, and I'll read a couple of them to you, but they ultimately lead and culminate to the final step, which is step 12. Here's step one. We admitted we were powerless, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to God as we understood him. They culminate and they keep moving and accelerating to step number 12, which is we tried to carry the message to others. We just tried to carry the message to others. So here's the deal. The end of recovery is being a carrier, is being a conduit, being a channel of God's healing and reconciliation, his recovery and blessing to others. We're all in recovery, bottom line. We've all got our go-to attachments, but being in recovery is all about being a witness. And so we believe that Christian recovery and Christian conversion are one and the same. They both lead to being carriers and witnesses of the mercies of which we have received, all of which is rooted in an identity change. And that can only happen through the Spirit of God. Can I pray for you, church? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, would you enable us to see us for who we really are, you know, at some level, we've all forgotten our identity. And I think at some level, we've all forgotten that we are your image bearers, ambassadors. We are sent ones. We are witnesses. This morning, after we've heard just this message and even more just seen and witnessed transformation in the lives of so many individuals, would you baptize us afresh in our new identity in Christ, that we would be united to Christ because you have died and you have been raised to new life and so too have we because we are now your witnesses. We call out in your name. We ask for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Thank you, church. Amen. amen. Thank you, Pastor Luke. Really appreciate that. Okay, so as we go, we have a new name. Remember, we're all in recovery, right? We're all in recovery from, I love the way Brother Steve put it, from sin. That's it, right? And we, we have a new name, which is amazing. It's glorious. It's absolutely awesome. We're witnesses. And I loved how Pastor Luke put it. Do not see it as a command. Do this, do this. Forget that. A gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I love that. A new identity, a new gift, man. We give people these t-shirts that say made new when they're baptized. And we go back and, and pray for them to receive the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, a new identity. Yes, embrace that. You are new people. We're in recovery. We're new. God's given us a new name. It's witnesses, message carriers. Yes, let's be contagious for Jesus Christ. 
You know, let's be those people who, who have, you know, what does the world call us? What's the name they've attached to us? Nobody. You're a nobody. But be that nobody that wants to tell not just somebody, everybody about the, the somebody, Jesus, who saved our soul. Let's stand and leave with that. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray and leave with that. Thank you to, to Gateway to Glory and Life Challenge for encouraging us with this awesome hope of Christ and how he can change lives and do what you've been encouraged today. Be recruiters, man. If you know somebody who's, who's touched by any of the, the issues of life and they need Christ, these are awesome ministries, and you're a part of it, and you're helping, and that's a great thing. Let's pray, and let's leave here. Leave here knowing you're new, and you've got this new identity and this new name. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the encouragement, the word that you've given through uh, Pastor Luke, the testimonies, the spoken word, the songs, all of it, God, thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for these local missions that are partnering and joining with the church to, to advance the kingdom of Christ. Lord, we pray that there'd be more and more who would take the new identity, the new name, witness for Christ. Lord, thank you. May everyone in this house, everyone who's connected online, embrace it, receive it as Pastor Luke has prayed to be baptized anew and afresh in the spirit of the living God. Pour out on your people and, and give them that encouragement in their heart that they know that they know that they know. They are yours. Their identity is Jesus, period. You go before them and send them into the world, Lord, to bring uh, others to that place of redemption and salvation. Lord, may we all be witnesses for you. In Christ Jesus' name, I pray it. Amen. Amen. And if you need prayer today before you leave, these altars are always open. We have elders that anoint you with oil, pray for you. God bless you as you go. Have a great, great rest of the day and rest of the week.